Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with the subject of God, the preserver of man today. We're so glad you could join us. And we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent in Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And again, we're so glad you could join us. We welcome you all. And we will begin with our morning prayer. From page 65 of Divinity Course and General Collectani. God alone governs all, is all in all. God is our constant guide and guardian. No mortal thought, known or unknown, seen or unseen, can interfere with the manifestation of love's presence with us. The weather manifests God's government, and no evildoers can change this fact. The devils of human thought, all the powers of many minds, are powerless in love's presence. God is all, God is mind. Divine love maintains man forever at the point of completeness, preserves his every faculty and his individuality, guides each separate idea in continuous unfoldment of the infinite grandeur of spiritual creation. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful, thank you. Okay, now the watching point. Watch number 17. Watch lest your success in healing cause you to feel content with the grain of Christian science you possess. Science and Health, page 449. I, I will read that quote. A grain of Christian science does wonders for mortals. So omnipotent is truth. But more of Christian science must be gained in order to continue in well-doing, end quote. The human mind impregnated with this grain of Christian science becomes an instrument for great good. More of truth must be gained, however, until the human mind is put off if one would continue to progress. Okay, thank you. That was short and sweet. I Well, I think this is one of the reasons why we stand in the gap for people who may not know about Christian science. We do, and we stand in the gap for them and share. Okay, thank you. I like what Bliss Knapp says in his article on the 91st Psalm, where he reminds us that it's only a, a grain of mustard seed or a grain of truth is all that's needed to move mountains, and that comforts me um, when I seem to be struggling with something. But I know once that struggle is over, that's, um, that's wonderful and we're grateful, but I, I'm learning how but we can't stay there. We just have to keep rising and rising. And... Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's easy, it's easy just to be satisfied with the healing, but not go beyond that to, you know, put off the old man, you know, just to just accept a, a more comfortable human man. That's good. Thank you. <clears throat> and, and I liked um, what Pond and Purpose says, the three baptisms. I think the third one talks about the final immersion of human consciousness in the infinite ocean of love. So we have to keep going with knowing the truth, know more of the truth. That is putting off the human mind. And that's necessary. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for sharing. Uh, what is the citation for that, please? And hello, everybody. Mm -hmm. It was page 449 in Science and Health. 
Thank you. You know, sometimes I think we have just scratched the surface of what Christian science can do. And I think this is what it alludes to most definitely. And it is easy just to get caught up on, on healing. And, and as, as Lenny said, just get comfortable. You've had a healing or even, yeah, yeah, you've been able to progress that far and have a healing. But I mean, think about it. Think about what the early prophets did. <laughs> Christ Jesus did walking on the waves and um, feeding the multitudes and some of these things are taking place today we know that but there's just so much more to do and not to just slow down and get complacent with yeah things are better our lives our life in matter is better because goodness um, you know what does Mrs. Eddie say about eras nipping at the heels of every of everyone, especially if you're in in the truth, and it is. I mean, we don't want the world to end up in dark night and chaos, do we? So, yeah. have a, a great responsibility to keep progressing and to realize, yes, the unreality of matter. That's the zenith, and that will be the only safety there is, right? The refuge of that, knowing that. So we might be progressing and not become complacent. Anyone else? And that goes. Oh, sorry. And, and that goes so well with what Jesus said: that greater works than He did will we do. He didn't say, you know, that's it. So thank you for reminding us of that. Yeah, yeah. We're supposed to be take this science and go further with it and 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 in some ways so little has been done with it when you think of how great it is how Mm. infinite it is so we mustn't slow down in this work or get complacent yeah and and maybe you said also advance from the rudiments laid down to understand god takes eternity Yes. It's never over. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. Jeremy, would you read the golden text? Psalm. <clears throat> Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Thank you. Um, I'm going to start off today sharing some things that Louise sent to me, which are so beautiful. And I think really it kept captures what this lesson is about. Um, She writes, the first thing she sent was a testimony that came to my attention this week, and I thought I would share it. The testifier who worked on a fuel tanks of warships during World War II was in a very dire situation, but he recalled the subject of the then current lesson, God, the preserver of man. The one fact that God is the preserver of man, helped him to gain his freedom, though it took a fierce mental battle fought in consciousness. The process of replacing the devil lies one by one with the truth counterfact and his step-by-step listening for and then hearing the still small voice of his preserver, father, mother, love, and then his obeying that voice each time is so inspiring and instructive. Gary will summarize that in a few minutes. Then then she goes on. It was interesting to me that the current lesson only has the word preserve or derivatives of it four times while the word love appears over 25 to 30 times. So it almost seems like the current lesson is more along the lines of the lesson subject of love. However, It is made so clear throughout the lesson citations that it is the love of God through obedience to his commandments and the love of our true selfhood and the unself love of our fellow man that is precisely what preserves man. It is our knowledge of declaring, claiming, and understanding our tender, intimate relationship with our father, mother, God, love, 
that preserves us under any and all circumstances, just as the testifier working in the warship's fuel tanks proved. And then she also attached an article called God Preserves Man by Duncan Sinclair. And this sort of sums this whole thing up, this one thought she got from the, the article. And as Duncan Clare says, quote, man must learn to know God, not merely to believe in him and to love him. For the Lord preserveth all them that love him. God is love, and the knowledge of God as love shows how intimate and how tender is the relationship between God and man. No words can adequately express this relationship. It is only as human consciousness becomes spiritually illumined and material senses overcome that there is experienced something of the nature of that intimate relationship which preserves man. End quote. And of course, it is our beloved leader who brought to the waiting, weary world this invaluable, infinite, profound, life-changing, life-changing, life-saving fact of the motherhood of God. Boundless thanks to Mary Baker Eddy. So, that it that is so beautiful, and as Ingrid said, I think last week, you know, the there's always conditions to God <laughs> taking care of us, and that He does demand. And this lesson says this week, "Thou shalt have no other gods before you, before Me." And I, that's been in several lessons recently, and I think it's because that's the main thing we need to understand: no other allegiance, no other loyalty. Uh, we're not impressed with anything that Era has to say. It's our our allegiance, our obedience, our love is to God and God alone. And as we do that, he knows that because you have set your love upon me, I will deliver you. Now, when I started out, I I didn't really know God, and I, I can't say I loved him or I felt God's love that God loved me. But now's the time. If, if you're feeling that way, those of you who might be listening, now's the time to change that and to learn about a God of love. And once you know, know and prove how much he loves you, then you will love him. And you will have this close relationship that will preserve you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Science and Health, it brings out, and this is the same thought that's in the whole lesson. And this is a beautifully crafted lesson by someone, you know, fairly new to our church. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Love God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole of man and in his image and likeness. Divine love is infinite. Therefore, all that really exists is in and of God and manifests his love. That's it. That's it. And I found more and more in the practice, when people are having trouble or problems, it's somewhere there's a lack of love. And if you're fearful, that's a lack of love. Or, you, or ungrateful. Or ungrateful, yeah, they go hand in hand. You're ungrateful you're fe- and, and you're fearing and that and things are not going to work. Love is the liberator. Love is always the answer. Whatever the problem, love more. I certainly see it in mental difficulties because sometimes before people sort of go into this whatever negative unhappy state of thinking they are they're expressing hateful thoughts they're jealous of somebody they think god overlooked them they think someone has something more than they do which is why we emphasize the commandment thou shalt not covet it's a very important one that just shows you're going off the edge and then pretty soon they're looney tunes and sometimes they want to kill themselves well, guess what? What is it they want to kill? Fear. 
The error. Thank you. The error, the hateful thinking. That's what makes people want to commit suicide. There's all this negative, hateful thinking. And as Louise brought out, or I guess it was Duncan Sinclair, this lesson brings out the importance is, is true of self-love. You have to love yourself as God made you. All, all of this, the love, has to be in every instance. Love of God, then loving his image and likeness, starting with yourself and seeing everyone there. That's selfless love. And that was brought out in the story of the uh, washing the disciples' feet, wasn't it? It's an example. And in that story, he says, this is, Jesus says, this is what will make you happy. I find that very interesting. That's a little statement there that's easy to not see. But loving others, loving yourself, loving God, this is what brings real joy. And if you're not, and if you're always in this state of this one did this to me and this happened 10 years ago, I'm upset and my husband was mean to me and so-and-so was mean to me and he gets all the breaks and I don't, you will not get anywhere. You've got to start somewhere. We've all got things we can, excuse the expression, but all we all have things we can bitch and moan about, okay? <laughs> That's my father. I'll be bitching and moaning. Well, let's not. Let's take the high road. And as you do that, even though everything seems against you, maybe your life is miserable at this moment. The only way out is this way. It's God's way. And the lesson says, too, and I love this. The divine mind that made ma made man maintains his own image and likeness. The human mind, that's the carnal mind that I was just talking about, is opposed to God and must be put off. Not maybe, must, as St. Paul declares. All that really exists is the divine mind and its idea. And in this mind, the entire being is found harmonious and eternal. Now this, this is a definition of the straight and narrow way. The straight and narrow way is to see and acknowledge this fact, yield to this power, and follow the leadings of truth. Are you doing that? And what is it again? All that really exists is the divine mind and its idea. Again, all is infinite mind and its infinite manifestation. For God is all in all. And yeah, it's easy to slip off during the day, but come back to this. Let this be your, your rock to come back to. Your, are you doing it? Or, as it also says, citation two, art thou dwelling in the belief that mind is in matter and that evil is in mind? Or art thou in the living faith that there is and can be but one God and keeping his commandments. And if you truly love him, you could no more disobey any one of the commandments or the Sermon on the Mount than the man in the moon. It just wouldn't be in you. So when you see people doing this, not obeying commandments, not obeying the Sermon on the Mount, because they don't know who they are, and they don't know who God is, and they don't love him. And then they get into a muddle until they find out and work their way out of it. So now Gary will tell us the beautiful testimony or some summarize it. Okay, yeah. Now this is a fellow uh, in New England who worked uh, during World War II. This is in 1943. He worked in a shipyard uh, building battleships. And his job was to crawl through the hull, the hull, the bottom of the hull, and put the uh, escape um, hatches on the fuel um, cells, 
where they where the where the uh, f- the fuel was stored in the bottom of the ship. And these were tanks that are separated from one another, and they are waterproof and they are fireproof. And his job was to carry a lamp so he could see, a wrench, and a whole bunch of screws, and uh, a round door. Uh, and he had to crawl through the holes that the door was supposed to be attached to. And he would crawl along the bottom of the ship, screw the door up, and then weld it. And he had to carry his torch and his lamp and his wrench with him um, along the whole bottom of the ship. And so this one day, he had 24 of these to do. And he crawled, and, and this was in December, and it was four degrees. So, and there was no heat um, inside this ship other than his blowtorch, his welding torch. So he had 24 of these to do, and he and he crawled all day through here, uh, freezing. And he got, he finished what he thought was the last uh, door that he had to weld on. And he still had one more with him. He had only done 23, and he thought, oh, my gosh, where, what, did, what did I miss? And he thought about going home and starting all over the next day, and, and, but he thought, no, uh, I need to finish what I was supposed to do today. So he, he crawled all the way back through the, the, uh, the tunnels that he had welded, and found that he had the one that he hadn't done was the one he was supposed to do first. So he crawled all the way back. And by now his fingers were numb because he couldn't feel anything. And he started to uh, finish the, the first uh, hole. And he was supposed to weld this door um, onto this the, the, the hole there. So... <clears throat> he got the door up and started, and, he, and the way he did it was he had to screw screw it up with 36 screws and then weld it and then take the screws out. Well, he got there <clears throat> and, he's, and he, he couldn't find his wrench. He was carrying all this stuff and he had dropped his wrench somewhere else in the ship. And he thought, oh, my gosh, how do I do this now? But he said, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll screw these screws in with my fingers. And even though he couldn't feel with his fingers, he started to screw the screws in with his fingers. And then he uh, uh, got ready to weld this thing and, and welded it on. And, uh, and then... He, he he had to take the screws out after the welding was complete. So he tried to take the screws out with his fingers. He had to take the screws out so he could open the door and, and leave. Well, he couldn't unscrew the screws with his fingers. And all of a sudden, he started to panic. He thought, oh, my gosh, I'm trapped in here. If I can't unscrew these things and get out of here, I'll be in here for a couple of days over the weekend before anybody could find me. Mm. And all these negative thoughts started coming. And then he and 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 then he stopped himself and he and he remembered that week's lesson, God the preserver of man. And he and he fought he fought mentally within himself to get his thinking right and he and he finally decided i god i need to stop all this negative thinking and i need to listen wait and i'll just interject because this is once he thought about god being the preserver of man and he calmed down a little bit 
he said he finally calmed down. And then I spoke to God. I said, God, I'm listening. The change was wonderful. A message from an article written by Adam Dickey entitled God's Law of Adjustment came to me. And the statement was, if, if a man were drowning in mid-ocean with apparently no human help at hand, there is a law of God, which when rightly appealed to, would bring about his rescue, end quote. With this thought came absolute calmness, a sense of peace, a certainty of God's nearness, a positive assurance of deliver deliverance. I waited and heard the direction. Take out the pin in the hinge. Even as I moved to obey, the dark angel said, what good would that do? The bolts hold the lid, not the hinge. But there was no contest. I knew the voice that I would follow. I removed the pin from the hinge, dropped my hands into my lap, and waited. Again, the voice came. Take out the bolt at the left. My fingers grasped the bolt at the left and strained to twist it. It moved. I took a new hold, putting my whole effort into keeping it, turning it, until it, I came, it came free. I continued removing one bolt after another until only one remained that I could not move. I'm going to go. Yeah. Well, and then he, he, instead of panicking, he, um, he, he dropped his hands into his lap again and asked God what to do. And God said, pull, pull the door down towards you. And he did, and it pulled partway down. And then he thought, well, do, do I crawl through this tiny little hole? Um, and the answer came, no, you'll get stuck. Pull down harder. And so he did. He pulled it down harder, and the whole thing came out. Mm -hmm. And he was able to put it back together. He was able to leave, and he was able to go home to his family. But it was... It required his listening for God and remembering that God is the preserver of man. And then it said, too, when I arrived home, my wife met me and said, I have been working all day for you to come home safely. She had felt my need and supplied it by right knowing and persistent declarations of the truth about man. I was so overcome with gratitude that it was hours before I could speak of what had occurred. No other experience has given me the sense of nearness to God that I gained from this one. I felt his presence and followed his angel voices. I believe I have learned to recognize divine guidance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Roland H. Allen, West Newton, Massachusetts. Thank you. And where can, we, can people find this? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. It's a 1945, June, June 2nd, 1945, 1945 issue. issue, probably of the journal. <clears throat> You'll have to look for it that way. That you could also find it on a cassette, uh, about on one side they had possession and the other side they had another article by Adam H. Dickey and I used to have it. I don't think I have it anymore, but it's a very beautiful uh, article to read and also to read out of H. Dickey. Right, we do have that God's Law of Adjustment. Um, yeah. yeah, God's article. And Karen, right. Karen also made an audio. Yes, she mentioned it. Yes, yep. Can you so, maybe put on the website? The, the text? Maybe? It is, but not the testimony, but we'll... I don't think we can put the testimony on there. It's Thank actually, you. It's copyrighted, so we can't put the testimony. You'll have to look for it. Um, but we can talk about it and share it. We can talk about it. Exactly. Yes. So the Mother I, Church did um, produce Adam Dickey's uh, God's Law of Adjustment, and it was at the end of that pamphlet at one time. Oh, this it was, was, it was, oh, okay. but also the cassette that they did of it, the Mother Church. I used to have it. Okay, all right.
That's if I find it somewhere, I will mail it off to you. You great. can do what you want to with it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, we've had some testimonies recently. One that I gave, you know, from an old journal or not that old journal, but about the man in the Middle East who was being attacked by the so-called terrorists. His life was in grave danger, but it was an example. He stayed, he stayed in the father's house. He kept to the absolute statements of truth and he was totally protected. And then this Wednesday too, the woman, you know, who had became seriously ill on Thanksgiving day, she kept saying, I stayed in the ark. And even though she got sent to the hospital by her son, she walked out completely healed this is the power of God to preserve man when you are obedient and you love, love him and obey him. And there's so many examples. There are many, many other examples of this that it, it's, it's undeniable. It's just a matter of us applying it. And man's extremity is God's opportunity. And here, this, what it would seem like a horrible experience became, he said he never felt so close to God in his life. Behold, if I make my bed in hell, what? Thou art there. Thou art there. Thou art there. Yeah. Never forget that. There's no condition so extreme, Mrs. Eddy says, that love's tender lesson isn't awaiting thee, something like that. So there's no, no, nothing that we can find ourselves in that's beyond his care. And most of our day-to-day -day problems are lots more simpler to solve than this one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Um, thank you, Louise, for that. That was those are beautiful. All right, Shardell, you want to talk about what you sent? Well, it goes right along with you, Hosea, and, and it's wonderful right there. And uh, it says it's it's in uh, Hosea fourteen, number four. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Turn to the Lord. Say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. That's all you have to do. Like that man did it. He trusted God. So, um, <laughs> And we could do it individually, and we could do it as a nation. Absolutely. And I looked up iniquity in Webster, and he's pretty strong. One of them, I didn't even put that in. You know, well, if, if we, we could be saved from unrighteousness, everything from any unrighteousness to depravity. And he goes into it. Uh, it's needing to be healed in equality, and it's a deviation. Well, turn to God. And you're right there. So. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So, you know, if, if we've been on the wrong path, we can turn around. And another thing that um, Louise did, and I actually did too, I looked up that, those words preserve, but she, she got a big long list. Preserveth is Shamar in Hebrew. This is all that God does for you. Keep watch, guard, protect. Build a fence around, watchman, preserve, be on one's guard, do hedge about, guard, to protect, attend, observe, to maintain or keep in an unaltered condition, keep in safety and protect from harm, decay, loss or destruction, to prevent from rotting or corruption or decomposition. Maintain in safety from injury, harm, or danger. To defend from evil. To uphold, sustain, maintain. And then the word sustain means to give support, apply with sustenance, nourish, uphold, buoy up, to admit as valid, confirm, support by adequate proof, to keep from falling, and then to maintain. And then to maintain means to preserve or keep in a particular state of condition. Now, this is like our preserves when you get jam and things, you know, it keeps it from <laughs> to support, to sustain, not to suffer, to fail or decline, to keep, 
defend, the support by assertion or argument, make sure that something stays, stays in the same standard or level, to keep in an existing state, uphold as true, justify firmness of conviction. So then, what what doesn't God do for us? What's left? <laughs> Reminds me of uh, Florence's prayer where she uh, said, divine love maintains man at the point of completeness. Thank you. So, you know, think on these things during the day. Don't be thinking about what's wrong with the world. <clears throat> think on these things, <clears throat> the enduring the good and the true. And this was something beautiful Misha Elad sent me. It was actually for last week, but um, I uh, <clears throat> forgot to bring it. Excuse me. <clears throat> and it's from Ellicott's Commentary for English Readers says this, the word glory, as referring to, for thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. <clears throat> the word glory, better, ornament, the crown of a nation's strength is not in the triumphs it wins, nor the prosperity it secures, but the spirit in which these are used. Humility and not pride, acknowledgement of God, and not conceit in her wealth or power, was the ornament of Israel's strength and made her greatness in her business. That was beautiful. We can put that in our government booklet. Okay. So that is what preserves our country, our nation, and all nations. All right, Nancy. Uh, yes, I wrote about John 13, which you started with. Um, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. And this is from um, a commentary on the daily verse. The hour had come that Christ was to leave the disciples he loved so dearly and for whom he had devoted his life. The hour had come that he was to purchase them with his own blood. He loved each one so dearly that he gave himself up for them, that he might sanctify them. And all who become his body in the coming church age by cleansing with the washing of water with the word. The Lord Jesus has laid, has laid aside his eternal glory and set apart his life for this hour. And in humility and grace, he took a basin of water and washed his disciples' feet. This was a physical scene that was to illustrate a spiritual truth that would become the guiding principle of every member of his body. If Christ washed our feet, we also are to wash one another's feet in love, in truth, in humility, and in grace. This was not an instruction for a religious observance to be carried on once a year. It was the most graphic illustration of humility, a lesson in meekness and grace, a willingness to take up the meanest office and give preference to others before ourselves. It was a life principle that was to become the code of conduct for all spiritual Christians. All believers that would grow in grace by dying to self and living to Christ and would imitate the conduct of Christ would have the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit become manifest within their life. When Jesus had finished washing his disciples' feet, he left them with some wonderful words of encouragement. And that is as relevant today for us as it was for Jesus' disciples. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let us heed Jesus' words, walk in his ways, and as we bless, bless others, we will also receive wonderful blessings to the glory of God. And I thought what a beautiful and wonderful uh, life principle that Christ gave us 
on how we should live our life to, you know, just forget ourselves, our, our human outlining and self-will and just walk with Christ. And that's the, what I got out of this lesson is just love, love one another as he has loved us with truth, with humility and with grace. It's beautiful. Thank okay. you. Thank you. And that, that sentence I was looking for that Jesus said to his disciples, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's a matter of doing them. But blessed, you will be made happy. You will be joyful in doing, thinking of others. <clears throat> As I've said, my definition of everlasting punishment is to have only yourself to think about. Ooh, horrible. And and that can go for anything really right if we do it we're going to be blessed or just anything really about our day i i i also thought that it's so wonderful to of course actually do in humility washing someone's feet or someone's laundry or whatever other things are but that in every day we have an opportunity to do this uh, with other things, a lot of other things. Yes. Yeah. I know my cousin in South Carolina, their church, their Presbyterian church, they actually have a day that they do this. They watch each, watch each, wash each other's feet. My cousin said she doesn't go to church. <laughs> anyway, but it's a symbolism of it. And in those days when it was so dusty and dirty and people wore sandals, it was, it was important you can see that in the chosen, right? They're always having to wash their feet because um, their feet get dirty. Mm -hmm. so, but it, it's that idea of, uh, I feel like I told a tale on my cousin. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, dear. She's a very loving, good person, believe me. Anyway. Maybe <laughs> uh, she's doing it in other ways. Too. I think she does it in other ways. She does. So thank you. Yeah, anyway. in, in meaningful ways, mm -hmm. yes, in, not in regimented ways. Thank you. In, 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 in the rituals. It yeah. wasn't supposed to be that. that wasn't no, that's right. It's not a religious right. No, that's it. So, so. You know, I just wanted to say something. I was That t testimony was so good. And I was thinking in that moment where he he started to panic and he was able to bring himself back. I, You know, I've. I've heard things about this, especially with like divers and stuff like that, where if they get panicking more than 10 seconds, they're done. <clears throat> if they can't come back. But, and that's why we need to have more than just the grain of Christian science. You know, he obviously did. He was, he and his wife were, were living it. So I don't know. I just thought that was really important. So, thank, thank you. Absolutely. Mrs. Evans used to say, you're putting money in the bank by that spiritual money. <laughs> All the times you pray and, and demonstrate these truths in smaller ways, you will not be found uh, lacking when something so-called big comes up. And um, you'll be there. You'll have that peace of mind, that poise. But, you know, I, I'm always amazed. You see it. So often with athletes, you know, the things they can do, how they overcome all their fears and um, tremendous grace they show in various ways. They have that poise about them. And we must all have that poise. And we certainly, as Christian scientists, should have it. And if we don't, better get it. Not mm -hmm. rushing and flying around. I was touched by what happened in John. Where uh, even though Jesus knew that he was a traitor amongst them, he he turned to such love. And Mrs. Eddie says, if you reach a patient with divine love the first time, your <laughs> healing is instantaneous. It seemed as if uh, Jesus gave it all to his all mustard <clears throat> of all the love of God, and and they, hoping they would lift and feel it and be freed, but. Uh, you know, even you know, he, we triumphed in the end, but it was his greatest gift that he could do that with. Yes. Yes, and, and it's interesting as we've spoken that, that the end of his human existence, the things he emphasized, washing the feet and also feed my sheep. It's all about doing loving others. And we talked about John 
the Apostle John, his last days, little children love one another. The importance of love to heal any condition is so powerful because it's God. So one other thing I'd like to mention, I guess, before we close, this was a beautiful article by given to sent to us by Karen Carey, the manna of today by Louise Martin. When the Israelites were being fed with manna in the wilderness, they found that while it was sweet and fresh upon the day it was gathered, the next day it was unfit for use as food. If they would live, they were compelled to go out each day, except the Sabbath, and gather fresh manna. The little, the little that anyone gathered was as adequate to his need as the much that a greedier neighbor collected. Thus, greed was not rewarded by an extra supply, nor did the happy, joyful gathering of just enough result in lack. On page 307 of Miscellaneous Writings, Mrs. Eddy has written, God gives you his spiritual ideas, and in turn, they give you daily supplies. God's abundance of ideas is never-ending, never-limited, infinitely available. God's ideas do not spoil with usage, but mortal greed, fear, and limitation hide their power. Let us take the manna of today, therefore, and use it joyfully and courageously. It has no taint of yesterday about it, no memory of past mistakes and sorrows. Let us take it gladly and use it today. Let us take no thought for the morrow, for the tomorrow's manna will be sufficient unto its day if we gather it. An idea from the morning's reading of the Bible lesson for the Lord's Prayer can be found to overcome each rising suggestion of error and then to become to us part of our treasure laid up in heaven. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This renewing is the daily gathering of the manna, the daily entertaining of angels, the daily turning toward God till perfection shall be fully recognized. So I think it's so important. Um, and, and also in another article called Manna by Violet Kersimer, she says the good in consciousness must be demonstrated daily without sloth or stagnation. So this is why when you read the in the morning, if it's ho-hum and they're just going to rush through it, and no, 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 no. You're not getting your daily manna. Take it fresh every day and use it and, and work upon it. And, and you get your own manna because I know people will come to practitioners, oh, well, what do you have for me today? <laughs> well, what do you have for yourself today? It might be different if you're brand new, but when you've been in it for a while, you need to get your fresh manna every day from the Father. And and don't forget to do it or neglect to do it. And it's interesting that the manna, if they tried to save it for the next day, it got spoiled. It's got to be fresh. The, like the ten virgins of the oil, they were not to take from their neighbors but to have it and prepare it for themselves. Prepare it for yourself. Yes. So it's so wonderful from these stories. There is so much that we can gain from every story in the Bible, all the citations and signs and help. So gather in the morning. A beautiful song I love so much. The Scottish one. Can't think of the name. Murderer. I can sing it, but I won't. <laughs> it's beautiful about gathering and, and uh, yes. Anyway, it's in our hymnal. It's a beautiful song from the Isle of Erin in Scotland. Hmm. All right. We will end today with another beautiful um, article. Carrie sent a testimony that has a lot of good things in it, I think. This is... Uh a lecturer recalling one of his experiences. <clears throat> I well recall my visit a number of years ago to a Christian science practitioner 
when in search of relief from business worry and anxiety. I went a tired and discouraged businessman, weary with ceaseless planning and outlining. I believe that I must have been one of the world's most adept planners. Every move was carefully scheduled. And if a day now and then worked out fairly close to the premeditated plan, the day seemed quite satisfactory. However, a majority of the days did not work out as planned, and this invariably resulted in confusion and dissatisfaction. After explaining all this to my very patient and loving practitioner, she said, you must know the truth about your business. To this I replied, that is perfectly ridiculous. I have not the time to sit down and know the truth about it. I must do something practical. I shall never forget her answer because it embodies a great truth. She said, I perceive your trouble. You think you must have two minds, one with which to know the truth and one with which to transact business. She further remarked that I would consent to let God run the universe and to look to him for guidance, I would find peace and success. This advice sounded practical and logical. And so I bid her, I would, so I told her I would try it, but asked her to please be specific with me. For instance, I queried, what shall I do tomorrow morning? My practitioner was equal to the occasion and said, go to your office and do that which awaits your attention and do it well without anxious thought for the coming hours. When this task is completed, respond to the next duty which presents itself and give it similar attention. You need not worry, said she, tasks or duties will surely present themselves for your consideration, and it is your duty to do them as to the Lord and not unto men. Moreover, she counseled me further to look constantly to divine mind for guidance and assured me that I would find my business calls being made where my services were desired and thus would be eliminated chance, uncertainty, and failure. All this is, of course, a detailed explanation of how to trust God and live one day at a time in peace and plenty. But the crux of all this is that I found my experience that the method, I found by experience that the method outlined by my practitioner was a practicable, workable method. And all who so desire may duplicate my experience. David said, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. End quote. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.